I'm Melina Morrison, CEO of the Business Council of Cooperatives and Mutuals. Welcome to Meet the Co-op Leaders, the podcast series that features insightful conversations with the people leading our most innovative and inspiring co-op and mutual businesses. Co-ops and mutuals are the businesses owned by members rather than shareholders. They're all around us and they include some of our biggest brand names. In fact, 80% of us are a member of at least one cooperative or mutual, but most of us don't even know that. In an age of putting purpose before profits, it's more important than ever to learn about the original people-centered business model. So we're bringing the leaders to you to tell you in their own words, what makes this a better way to do business. My co-pilot in this new series is cooperative developer, Anthony McMullen. Anthony's founder of Cooperative Bonds, a worker-owned business that was set up to help other people learn to form cooperatives. Over the next series, Anthony and I will be bringing you a new conversation with a co-op leader every couple of weeks to lift the lid on this incredible business model. Hi, Anthony. It's great to be here with you again for another episode of Meet the Co-op Leaders. Who have we got today? Darlene Matiski-Wood. She's the CEO of Australian Military Bank, and she's going to be talking about her work. And look, she's a very strong, very focused leader. Leadership is so important in setting the culture of an organisation. Good leadership is so valuable, isn't it? Yep, Melina. And I really enjoyed hearing how she aligns her leadership with the principles of mutuality and cooperation, which is what this whole series of podcasts is about. Sounds great. Let's have a listen. Welcome, Darlene. Um, Darlene and I met online and we had a really great conversation. And I found out lots lots about Darlene. And it's interesting, when I've had these pre-interviews, um, sometimes uh, people uh, very much focus on their enterprise and sometimes you get a bit more of a bit of a view of the whole person. And, and Darlene's that that sort of person. So we're going to start from a little, little bit of the personal to the professional um, Darlene, with my first question. So I learned that in your 20s, you were bringing up uh, daughters on your own and you were balancing uh, study commitments. So when you were in your 20s, what did you learn from that time and what have you brought from that time into your uh, later career? Thank you. That's a a really broad uh, question. And there's probably probably three or four things that I learned fairly early on. But I I actually married very young and um, uh, had my two daughters when I was sort of pretty much a teenager. I came from a very sheltered background. My first career was in nursing, but I actually in my early twenties I actually um, went through. Um, uh, I had an accident, uh, had an injury, and also went through a, a marriage breakup. And so I was raising my two daughters on my own while I went back to study. Um, and I think that uh, because I was so young, there were times when I I didn't believe I couldn't do something. So there's something about uh, as we as we get older, often we have 
things that define us that are outside of us in terms of expectations and, and um, not just our upbringing, but I suppose how others define success for us or barriers. And so because I was quite young, I think I, I learned how resilient I am and, and it's amazing what you can achieve when you just don't believe you can't. So when I say to people, I, my original career is in nursing, I'm now CEO of um, uh, Australian Military Bank, people usually say, well, that, that's interesting, you know, how did that happen? And it was it was very much a journey. Um, but really, I, I think at the outset, I learned not to accept the barriers, I, I guess, that other others uh, place on me um, or to be defined by that. Um, by others' view of success of me. Um, there were times when I just didn't know I couldn't do something because someone said, you know, um, I, I would have been surprised if people said, oh, well, you can't do this or you can't do that because I was just basically drawing on myself um, and finding that strength um, within. And that really led me to, um, to actually understand that I needed to focus on my strengths first. Um, and you, you don't have to be good at everything or do everything brilliantly all at once. But what I learned is that when you lead with your strengths, your weaknesses are actually picked up and bridged along the way. If you try to actually bridge the weaknesses and the things you can't do first off, you dilute your strengths and then it becomes harder to, to, to really shine. When you put your strengths on steroids, success ultimately finds you. And because I was very attuned to, I suppose I had a, a strong social uh, responsibility ever since I was quite young and then into nursing and then when I went back to study um, I was really gravitating towards um, structures of organisations um, and organisational design and strategy and um, the, the sort of human side of, of business and and I, um, I really found that the values aligned to mutuality were aligned to me for those reasons. But um, what was profoundly, I suppose, important in terms of my journey and my success was that I learnt to know myself and um, really knowing yourself, leading yourself and leading others is the foundation of leadership. And every area of our life is marked by relationships and, and people have always fascinated me and I knew that it would be important that, that I cultivated my ability with people. And so I studied personality profiling and, and did a lot uh, in that space. And then that led to understanding how communities create success, how uh, organisations and groups work together to create success. But it was really this focus and leading with my strength in that space and that focus that had the biggest impact on my success throughout my career. Well, that's a great, great way of kicking off our discussion. And now you're... Uh, the CEO of the military bank, the Australian military bank. Can you tell us a little bit yeah. about it and how it serves members? Sure. So Australian Military Bank is a member-owned bank um, and has been bonded to the Defence Force since 1959 with mm. nearly 60,000 members and customers across Australia. So the bank's target market includes just over 92,000 full-time personnel uh, an active reservist um, supported by the Department of Defence and several other civilian agencies as well. Um, the entire defence community includes um, serving, but also those veterans, family members and these extended support agencies. That's around 1.3 million Australians. 
are associated with helping communities and supporting international operations in the, um, in the defence. We have 19 branch six kiosks that operate um, on predominantly on military bases across Australia. Um, yeah. We're one of um, three banks that also has the defence housing contract for, to support the defence community. Um, and uh, our mission really is about our members and we're, we're focused on building a value proposition that is tailored to our members' unique journey and career. And this is often quite different to the average career because serving members can be posted overseas, interstate, away from their family or yeah. in a remote location such as on a ship. Being bonded doesn't mean we don't serve the broader market. It means that we're focused on our target market. And our um, sustainability and differentiation is really about tailoring everything that we do to support the entire defence community in the products we deliver at using the channels that support our members and what they need when they need it. So we deliver the same products and services as, as, as um, the big banks in terms of personal lending and mortgages and also the full deposit um, products. However, we're not a commercial bank in terms of, you know, we don't attempt to try to deliver to, um, to commercial business and that sort of thing. Um, some of our, uh, our members do have, you know, their own small business and that sort of thing, but we're very much about um, understanding our target market, how they live and what they need um, and, and making sure that we are very targeted to support them. Um, and that's our um, sustainability and differentiation. When we had a discussion last week, um, you mentioned to me is a phrase, the beauty of mutuality, uh, which really struck a chord with me. I hadn't heard that before. And I'm just wondering if you could um, tell us a little bit more about that, about how how the, the beauty of mutuality. Um, well, I guess it, it, what it brings together for me and, and, and why it's very... Um, I find co-ops and mutuals are sort of like, you're like joining, I suppose, uh, it's almost like a your own community in many ways if it aligns with your values. And I joined um, a mutual bank and I thought I'd coming from a sort of fairly commercial environment and then prior to that quite international work. And I thought that I'd be there for a year. Mm. But, you know, here I am, um, nearly 20 years later, I'm still in the mutual sector because uh, it, it isn't... Um, like uh, you know the big banks and that very sort of um, more commercial environment, but it but it's commercial um, in the concept of using the human um, uh, as the first point of principle. So mutuality is about communities helping communities for sustainability, and that's where I think mutuality you know there's a beauty to that because it's about mm -hmm. the human. So for me, in a world that's increasingly uncertain, um, the concept of the human is more important than ever. And uh, the concept of people banding together for the greater good of the community is how positive change happens. So if you look at climate risk, there are so many examples of uh, people helping each other through disaster recovery um, or to regenerate the environment following disasters. And that's really the power of the human which draws on mutuality. And you look at Yarra Valley, what happened in the Yarra Valley with the fires and the amount of um, uh, effort and the way in which the community 
in many areas banded together to regenerate that environment you know there's so many amazing stories um and it, it's really about that's it has so much to do with the human spirit you know um i know that even in the flood environment you know it was a mutual bank that was there actually um getting cash to people um because cards weren't working you know in the floods that happened in Toowoomba and everywhere so you know it's about what's the human what does the human need um and often it's uh, you have that capacity to extend to the human without even thinking are we going to make money out of this i mean you've got to be viable you've got to be consistently looking at viability but you're doing that from what's happening with the human first so mutuality isn't a soft approach to commercial it's a human approach and when you focus on how people live and where the greatest issues are for people in communities, you create a bond. And this allows you to deliver what the member or the customer needs as the, as the focus first, um, rather than what you can obtain from them. And this is why mutuals have the best customer ab advocacy results. It's about our, the collective greater good and harnessing the energy of people. Um, there's a lot of examples throughout history where amazing things have actually been achieved because people came together and made it happen. And that's what I think is the, the um, why I say you know, there's a beauty to that concept of mutuality. Yeah. Creating a bond, that's another phrase I really like. And so if we're looking forward a bit in terms of the future of mutuality, um, how can communities support each other in yeah. this turbulent environment that yeah. we're all experiencing? Yeah, um, yeah, I think... The, the challenge often is to, to sort of look, you know, beyond the barriers that are there that are defined for us. Um, but there's two ways, I think, and I'll, I'll give one as a specific example for um, banking, but I'll, I'll give a broader one, which is um, an example of an insurance company um, working on facilitating safe communities. And what, what mutuals can do is to play that facilitation role. And so if I think about... Um, this example, um, this is a particular uh, insurance company that actually was looking at a community that um, needed to really actually um, increase their safety measures in that community because they had some high insurance um, claims. And so there was a joint objective. So the objective for the insurance company, which was a commercial insurance company, by the way, not a mutual, it's just a wonderful example of acting outside of your license to operate. Um, and what they did was um, they actually facilitated the community um, working on being safer. So setting up, um, playing the role to actually find ven a venue, getting people together um, to work on how they could actually make their community safer. And the spin-off for that is that um, it actually reduced their insurance claims as well. So it empowered the community. The community felt safer um, and they felt that they were in control. And so it's looking beyond just how do we get a profit or how do we actually deliver our products to what does this actual community need? And, um, you know, there's some, some great stuff being done, um, you know, by the likes of, um, you know, Bank Australia and, and others in this space around um, ESG and, and you know, the environment. But another one is when I'm talking to Defence Administration, I'm, I'm not just looking at how can we help you with your banking products. I talk to them about 
what's going on with the Defence Force? What are the issues that um, Defence Administration are faced with in terms of um, our members and, and also the issues they have in actually keeping people in um, you know, active service or in the Defence Force? And you know, one of those is, is a very high divorce rate. So what I um, do is have a team look at, okay, how can we actually take this, uh, run some human-centred design and find out um, how can we actually support in this space? And so one of the areas is that um, uh, this disconnection in uh, when someone's actually deployed um, or they're working away from their family um, actually contributes to the, to the divorce rate. So we're looking at how we can actually in the back end support someone who's deployed away and can't get to their family to be able to actually plug in dates and have flowers sent and things like that, messages, and, and you know, um, that's about us combining um, with external stakeholders yeah. to support our members. And so it's looking at what's actually specifically happening for these human beings and these people and this community. And, you know, I, I don't have a background in military. You know, I've never, um, uh, um, you know, worked, um, I don't think I've even been in tank, you know, I don't, I don't, um, you don't have to actually know a lot about that particular industry to immerse yourself in what's happening for them and what do they yeah. need. Yeah. And so I think that, um, you know, that's how communities can actually um, support each other. Um, mm -hmm. And the other area around banking, I just thought I'd just quickly mention is that mm -hmm. there's a really big issue in the banking environment for mutuals. So that not the big banks, but in mutuals, scale is a problem. You know, we have to be able to deliver the same quality of, of products and services to the same standard of channels that the big banks do because the average person, um, we're fortunate, we're bonded, but the average person is looking for a, a bank that's going to actually align to their values or their you know, particular bond like we have. But if you don't have that, then really what you're looking at doing is closing your branches to reduce your cost of income to create money, to then deliver to, to members, but that then detracts from the human concept. So, you know, mutual banks can actually um, band together to create joint ventures and create scale to deliver things that are a commercial, um, in the commercial competition space. So there's so much that can be done through collaboration, but it does take looking outside of the square. Um, but that's where some of the things I think that, that um, can be done in this space. Oh, that, so that's such a lovely example um, that you've just um, talked about. It's it's really focusing on on the humanity of the of the the members that you have that are walking through the door. Wow, that was an absolute masterclass in organisational leadership. It's a great example of a person centred mutual that's truly responsible to the needs of its members. Well, look, that's what we do in the co-op and mutual movement, and that's what we can do with our model. We can go beyond the work of just being a bank or some other kind of business and go beyond and really focus on members. And really those Defence Force members get more than just a bank, good banking service. The focus is about them and their development as part of that community. And, I, yeah, I, I found it very inspiring. Well, that's the beauty of the mutual model, isn't it? It's the organisation being there not to make profit for shareholders, but to act in the best interests of its members. Thanks, Anthony. I'm really looking forward to the next episode. So who's your guest going to be?
Well, it'll be Taryn Lane of Hepburn Energy. Excellent. They are doing wonderful things in the renewable energy space. I look forward to hearing more. Thanks for listening to this episode of Meet the Co-op Leaders. To learn more about the purpose and incredible variety of cooperatives and mutuals, please visit our website, bccm.coop, that's C-O-O-P. As the original social business, cooperatives and mutuals offer genuine solutions to some of the most significant challenges in the world today. So if you've enjoyed today's conversation, please share it with your friends and colleagues so that they can learn more about the cooperative difference. And remember, in a world of crisis and uncertainty, we will always be stronger together. I'm Melina Morrison, and I look forward to seeing you next time on Meet the Co-op Leaders.